Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah. And how many times have I heard, oh, I just wish my kids could learn this stuff earlier. I just wish I had been taught this earlier. Oh, this should be taught in schools. All those types of things that when we get information on our podcast about relationships and problem solving and decision making and life building, uh, people always say, I wish I had learned this earlier. And we have Cara Tyrell, who is a part of Core Parenting. And we are going to talk about how to teach our children to be collaborative problem solvers. Hello, how are you? Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm doing great. I'm happy to have you. I'm happy to have you. So when you think about the term collaborative problem solving, what does that mean to you? Because core four parenting is all about the earliest years, birth to five, and setting our kids up to be successful learners in school and life, collaborative problem solving is a strategy and a skill set that we create between parent and child. And we work together to include kids in the process of problem solving with us. You know, and I'm really excited about that shift with kids in the fact that um, we, we grew up in households that were it's like, well, I'm the parent, that's why. And then you get into a controlling relationship where it's like, well, I'm the husband, that's why, or I'm the wife, that's why, or why I'm the boss, that's why. You know, it can really create these toxic power dynamics that if we're, te- and it gets tricky because we still have to kind of be the quote unquote boss of our kids to some extent, but but teaching them better skill sets than we have to to be problem solvers rather than just accept whatever the person in power tells them. Is that kind of what that part of what that means? Yeah, there's two pieces there and you actually hit on both. Yes, we are the parents. Yes, mm-hmm. we are the boundary setters, right? We create the space for these kids to be in problem-solving relationship with us. But intentional language use really is the foundation of it all, right? Mm -hmm. So, So the boundaries are there, the routines are in place, the systems are there, the kids know what's coming next. They They know that lunch happens, and then after lunch, they have their playtime, and after playtime, they move towards nap time. Like this is a predictable routine. That doesn't mean that little problems won't pop up in the middle of those routines happening. Like for example, our kids desiring not to do those things. Mm -hmm. But the power struggle is one of the most parenting defeatist moves that we have employed for generations. Uh A struggle by definition can only be resolved by a crisis resolution process. And that's a little fire that we put out. And then we know the fire is going to come back and put it out again. If we can proactively have problem solving conversations with our kids before the fire starts, it is empowering. It bonds us in a core four connected way. And it creates opportunities for our kids to come up with their own ideas about how to solve these problems. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then to 
have better language. I love that you said language. So my specialty is neurolinguistic mm-hmm. practitioner, right? So it's all about the language and um, and shifting language. So uh, most of us, I made a joke in, in my next book that's it's not out yet, but the, the joke was like, uh, you know, those late night shows where um, they go and interview people on the streets like, okay, what's who's the president right now? Or, you know, what state are you in? Just silly questions that it's funny because you think, well, of course people would know this answer and then they don't. Um, that's what makes it funny. And I heard a horrible one one time where it was like, they were asking dads about their children and they were like, what grade is your children in? And stuff like that. And they could not, it was actually really terrible. I was like, huh, I think this is supposed to be funny, but it's not. Um, the, uh, but the, if, you know, that same person went out and asked people, you know, what's your problem solving technique? What is your uh, framework for making decisions? People would look at them like they lost their mind because it's not something that most of us have been taught. Oh man, do I geek out in the link? I have a degree in linguistics and Yeah. yeah, I love pulling language apart. I like seeing what makes it tick. I like putting it back together in ways that are more efficient and create that that problem solving capability. Uh, one quick example: I tell parents that I believe W A N T to be a four letter word, <laughs> and the reason is there's these expectations that are set, and we do it out of love, right? For two years, we say to our kids between birth and two, "Do you want this? Do you want that?" And we are trying to meet huh. their needs. Right. Yeah. Do you want, do you want, do you want more of this? Do you want, are you wanting to be done? And then they start talking back and they're uh-huh. like, I want this. I want this. And we think, how did we raise such rude children? What happened here? We inputted it without oh. even thinking. It's just this rote way of communicating with our young kids who can't talk back yet. So instead I've done a complete language shift. With kids that I'm blessed to work with from birth, it's, would you like, would you like some banana? Would you like a turn with this? And it totally sidesteps that power struggle and that emotional frustration that as parents, we feel when we're thinking, where is this coming from? Hmm. Hmm. You know, I understand that completely. And uh, I always joke that my son ate really healthy until he started being able to ask for what he wanted. And then there's the want word, right? And I remember thinking as a parent, thinking, what what happened? I was feeding this child really healthy foods. And all of a sudden he wants ice cream. He wants suckers. And when they start talking, they can ask other people for what they want. So it's not just me or it's like, oh, I think a healthier choice might be better. You know, it's it's other people who are happy to pass over sugar. Um, the So let's talk about uh, how to, I love that example. Let's talk about to the collaborative problem solving. Mm-hmm. So if our listeners are trying to start becoming better problem solvers with their kids, um, what steps should they take? So you hit the nail on the head where it starts with decision-making, right? The act of making a decision is what leads us into either having a problem to solve or having taken care of it already. So I teach the two positive choice method. As parents, we absolutely have to give our kids boundaries. We cannot give them 47 options and expect that they're going to be able to self-regulate enough to think, which is the most effective one. (laughs) 
So if the goal is it's time to take a bath, but your child is not one who's real kinky about the bath, (laughs) then you set it up in such a way that it's their choice. You empower them. It is bath night. You are dirty. It's my job to keep you clean and healthy. It is bath night, but I need your help. Will we take a bath in five minutes or will we take a bath in 10 minutes? You choose. We'll set the timer and then we'll go play until the timer goes off. You're supporting healthy decision-making that your child feels really part of the process. Like you get that they don't like this. You're empathizing with that. But you're also saying, these are the things that we just have to do. So let's figure out a way to do it and let's do it together. I like defining the role of parent too. That's something I do within my own parenting. Like I always tell my kids, I said, it's my job to raise productive members of society that my plan is to raise adults, not have older children. Right. Which is very different. Like some people, when you're a kid, you think, oh, people always grow up. And it's like, no, some people just get older. They never grow up. They still have temper tantrums like a two-year-old or, you know, are irresponsible or something like that. So um, I like, that's something I try to incorporate in my own parenting. Like my job as a parent is to blank, not to be your personal assistant, not to, (laughs) you know, as kids get older, which I see, I mean, I see a lot of kids now probably in elementary definitely in high school talking to their parents as if their parents work for them Mm -hmm. it's a really fascinating you know it's like oh I forgot my water bottle so my mom's job is to bring me my water bottle right and uh it's a shift because that has not always been that way in history like and it's not always been that way in history. So it's interesting. So I like even what you said, my job is to keep you healthy and clean, really setting up expectations for what you what your personal goals are as a parent. Absolutely. My job is too is a sentence starter that I use all the time. And here's the coolest part. You can use it with a two-year-old and you can use it with a 22-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Absolutely. It is absolutely not about how old your kid is. It is about Mm -hmm. defining that boundary. Another one I use all the time is it's my job to keep you safe. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because safety trumps everything. And when we're talking about collaborative problem solving, I'm not, you know, if the child is pulling on my hand and about to be able to release into the road where there's cars, we don't sit down and have an eye to eye and do collaborative problem solving. It's my job to keep you safe. I'll tackle you to the ground if I have to. Sure. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. But when you see opportunities and you can identify, wow, this is a great chance for me to teach my child how to identify their emotions, Mm -hmm. how to sort through that process, how to choose the way I talk to them so that they can choose their response back. It's when we get into these knee jerk responses, we just kind of go down the rabbit hole and lose control. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And I read a book recently, All Joy, No Fun. And she talked about the size dynamic, right? So in those situations, if you lose control, but they're four, you have like, you are still bigger than them. 
And there's some type of like safety for you in being bigger than them. But if those same problems aren't resolved and they're 17 Mm -hmm. and you're not bigger than them, then it becomes a really scary situation if. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So so the core four methodology is a dual core development method, but the first core are the core four connectors and they are the ability to foster a really strong relationship through open communication, honesty, respect, and trust. And all of that comes down to the way we talk to and think through things with our kids from their earliest years. Just because they can't talk back yet doesn't mean they're not processing everything they hear, everything they see, the environment they live in, the feel of it. It's all sensory information that is being stored and sorted through, and they're creating meaningful connections. It's our best opportunity to put the meaningful connections in there that we want to stick because you know this. 85% of foundational brain growth, the literal size of the brain is done by five. Mm -hmm. We have to maximize this time and parents need a hand. They need some support and they need some education and they need someone to kind of give them just a little bit of a playbook, a toolkit with strategies and scripts and systems. Well, there's so many things within the context of development and brain growth that we our our parents and their parents just didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not that they maybe maybe they would have done things differently if they had lived in the information age. But uh there was a I had a as a kid I had a chow puppy. <laughs> and my mom got this chow puppy and it bit me, it bit my friends, it bit my sister. And I was like, why did you get this chow puppy? And she said it was really cute. And I, it was it was very cute. And I said but they're terrible family dogs. And she said, but we didn't have the internet to ask. Right. Right. And we kind of forget that. Like we forget that you don't, now we would, you know, search good family dogs or we, it's a normal part of our life to research some of that information, but she would probably had to gone and ask a vet or, or something along those lines. If, for that type of information. So I want to give both grace to like past generations. Oh, sure. if there was a situation like, oh, well, I wish my parents had, you know, it's like, yeah, well, and they didn't have the information that we have um, at our fingertips now. They didn't have the resources. A parenting coach wasn't a thing. Nope. Right? It uh, wasn't. The, they didn't have a playbook in the same way. So, um, and, and then <laughs> our kids were living in a different environment. You know, they you talked about the 47 decisions, you know, our kids are experiencing decision fatigue. They're experiencing, uh, they don't grow up and naturally become a, you know, a logger just because their dad was a logger. Now they could be anything. It has nothing to do with what their parent is. Well, that's more overload on the brain, right? It it absolutely is. is. And we already, as human beings, we make, I think it's 35, thousand decisions a day. It's so much. And that's also true for our kids. Just because they're smaller doesn't mean they're not bumping up against the same decision-making processes we are. And so teaching them how to recognize a decision-making process for what it is, and then the strategies that they could use to make that decision based on 
the best outcome that everybody is interested in. Mm-hmm. I have a really fun example. Um, so one of the families I nannied for, I was blessed to be with this little girl since uh, she was 12 weeks old. She's now four and a half. And I haven't been with them for six months because I started core four parenting and it was time to take this message to the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I had the opportunity to spend the afternoon with her not too long ago. And I knew before she even showed up with me and got in my car, I knew she was going to ask me, do I need to take a nap this afternoon? And I understood everything, right? I know we haven't seen each other in so long. I know it would be great fun if we just like said to heck with all the rules and did whatever we wanted to do. But I also know that the outcome of those choices would mean she couldn't be her best self for that afternoon of fun. We might end up actually having those power struggles. And what fun is that after six months of not seeing each other? And it definitely would not have been kind to her parents, (laughs) who then had to deal with the aftermath. So sure enough, we're in the car two minutes and she says, Nanny Cara, do I have to take a nap this afternoon? And I said to her, here's what I know. You have not been napping well lately. COVID has really messed up our lives and your behavior is showing that you're not being kind to the adults in your life. Yep, she told me that's all true. I said, what do you think we should do? Because I want to have fun today. And she said, well, I guess we're going to have to do one of those things that you call a compromise. (laughs) And Uh my heart leapt. I said, that's exactly what we should do. Some of what I want, some of what you want, and together we'll get what we need. So she had a quiet time. And she was completely able to engage in a fun way for the rest of the afternoon. I love that. Oh, and I, I like the conversation about being kind to adults. I hate, this seems since COVID and I've talked to a lot of other mental health professionals, coaches and stuff about this and the, the kids being worse to adults is, is really on the rise. I read an article this morning about discipline in schools and teachers and just really uh, kids they, they use the word, they said, if anyone was doing this to me, that was an adult, it would be illegal. But because it was a child, it's supposed to be my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on um, helping oh, train people to be kind? <laughs> I know, a, right? It's such a conversation. This is a soapbox I could stand on forever. I'll simply say that you led me directly to the second core of the dual core development method in core four, which are the core four readiness skill areas that kids need to develop in equity before they start school. We all know cognition is what we push, right? ABCs, one, two, threes, colors, numbers. If they can regurgitate that for us, they must be ready to go be a learner and a participant in a classroom, right? Mm. Nope. (laughs) As a preschool teacher, as a kindergarten teacher, that was my biggest frustration is these kids were lit up and happy, but they weren't completely ready to access all of the classroom. The social, emotional development, the interpersonal skill development, and the physical body control development are the other three quarters of that readiness pie, and they are overlooked and underattended to between birth and five. So it's no surprise to me 
that under high stress environments like school in the time of COVID, those three pieces are falling even further apart for these kids. And the saddest part of it all is they cannot continue to improve and add on to their cognition skill sets Mm -hmm. because they're spending so much time just trying to be a human being in that space. It's so hard. Is there, um, if there's a teacher listening, would you have any suggestions uh, for them in that, uh, in bridging that gap or a parent hoping to help, help their child? Yeah. Um, using emotional vocabulary and being transparent about yours. You know, I, I, the, the one thing parents don't want to do, right? It's like, right. Hey, I, how do I get, how do I get my kid to do this? I don't want to do it, but how do, <laughs> how do you, I get my kid to do it? Are you frustrated with the, the state of the world we live in? Of course. Yeah. Tell your yeah. child, this is so hard. Every day, I think I can handle this. And every day I'm reminded how hard this is. And I'm really getting tired of it. I still have to do these things. I still have to go to my job. I still have to wear a mask when I'm there. You still have to go to school. You still have to wear a mask when you're there. And honestly, it just stinks. And I get it. Be honest and available with your emotional transparency. And you will further bond those core four relationship connectors because all your kids want to know is that you're struggling too. Mm-hmm. Being a perfect parent might seem like something at the end of the day, you can check off your relief list. Shoot, I did it again. I didn't make any huge mess ups today. But your kids don't want to see you being a perfect parent. They want to see you being an engaged parent in relationship to them. And that includes your humanness. And your struggles. No, I, I agree. Um, gosh, this is lovely. This is lovely. Where can people find more out about you and, and this important work that you do? Absolutely. So we're at core, the number four parenting.com and at core for parenting on all the socials. And we have three ways that we serve parents. We have, we have a curated private community called our virtual village where if you are a like-minded parent and you need a space to feel supported and educated, we've created that for you. Inside there, we have some on-demand digital courses to solve typical daily struggles inside of a household. Those are on your time if you choose. And then we also run a master coaching program for people who need a deeper level of support and consistency. And we run through all the major, major category shifts the mindset, the perspective, the brain development of your baby, and then the language of your little person before really just teaching you those stronghold strategies, scripts, and systems. I love it. So if you got to broadcast your voice to the entire world for one minute Mm -hmm. and everyone could hear you say anything that you wanted, what would you, (laughs) what would you tell us? It's our job to be present right now and work to educate ourselves to raise world-ready kids. The world isn't going to change for the better all by itself. We've thought that it might for a long time. It's time to take hold and do it ourselves. Let's raise some kids who are really going to add value to the world. And like you said, let's raise some human beings. 
I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for helping us today on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. My pleasure. Have you ever wished, oh, I wish I could just work with Sarah. If so, go right now to sarahkramsey.com. Check out the program section and see if the Wondrous Woman program is right for you. I help people reconnect with what's right with them, become toxic person proof, and design lives they're excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.